Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, here for a lovely Chico afternoon of entertainment, education, opinions, not professional. Well, my tax opinions are professional opinions, but you still need to always do your own due diligence on all of my other opinions. But it's been a very busy month for me. Usually August is a little easier than this, but it's just with all the fires and all it, I just, every day there's new clients calling that have different questions. A lot of them having to do with fire settlements that are now starting to come in from the campfire, uh, which is now almost three years ago, but people are starting to get the settlement money offers from PG&E. So they have a lot of questions. I sort of have to go, I start off with the assumption that it's going to be taxable for them so they don't get their hopes up too much. Then we start looking at the details and if there's any legal ways to consider the settlement money not taxable, then of course that's the goal is to find find reasons to make at least part of their money not taxable. That's my, that's my main goal. Honestly, the whole concept of income tax to me, I'm glad it's around because I've I've made a good living over the last 40 years in the business, 10 years as an employee for my dad's accounting firm in, in Oakland, and 30 years as a CPA on my own here in Chico. So I'm not complaining about income tax because it's been a good way for uh, me to grow a business. I'm not complaining about that part of it. What I'm complaining about is when our government is running something like an annual deficit of six or seven trillion dollars, what is the point of all of the work that goes into preparing income taxes, calculating taxes, opening up your life's book to unknown people working for the federal government that honestly have no business knowing what you're doing and all of that for every single one of us peon, I mean, citizens of the U S and they take in something like 1.5 trillion a year in income tax. That is a joke. If the entire budget of the country was one and a half trillion, then of course it would be, it would be a, at least an okay thing for income tax to exist because you'd be paying for what you need. What my bone of contention is, with the radical spending and quantitative easing and money printing and private central banks doing whatever they please, I don't believe it's fair that we have to chip in toward something like a fifth of all this money that's being spent, and we don't know where it's really going. We don't know who's really getting it all. It's unbelievable. And ever since 08, when they sent like $12 trillion of our tax money to foreign European banks to bail them out, I've just been completely against the whole idea of what they're doing. They're devaluing the dollar. Uh, The dollar versus gold has lost 98% of its value since the Federal Reserve came into being in 1913. That's coincidentally also the same year that the income tax law went into effect. 
it's also very close to the year that the Titanic sank. And I'm not sure if I've told you about that little episode. If you research who was on the Titanic, you research what their position was on the Federal Reserve Act and the income tax, and then you research on who was on the tit- who was scheduled to be on the Titanic, but withdrew the day before the cruise. Just look up some of those famous names, and you'll get an idea of what I think about the sinking of the Titanic and whether it was an accident or not. Hmm. I'm starting to sound like a conspiracy theory nut. So be it. So far, every conspiracy theory I've been reading about has turned out to be true. So I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm actually proud. So what's new in the news? Well, for business news, well, one thing is they are proposing, the, Repo- uh, the Democrats are proposing some tax increases. One part of the tax increase that I do remember very clearly because it's so easy to remember, the corporation tax rate with the twenty-seven late 2017 Tax and Jobs, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it lowered the total corporate rate to 21% even all the way up, no matter how much the income is. The problem with that that I disagreed with at the time was for ever since I've been doing taxes, which is over 40 years, the first 50000 of corporate net income always was taxed at 15%. Then it jumped up to 25 and 31 and whatever they were. What I disagreed with with the 2018 tax law that came into effect, they cut all the tax brackets for the rich corporations making a lot of income. Those all came down to a flat 21. The problem is a lot of my small business clients are corporations that never netted much more than 40 or 50, and that was the plan. They would pay themselves a salary and then they might leave 30, 40, or 50 in uh, as earnings that would only be taxed at the old 15% rate. I thought it was very unfair that the new tax law starts at 21% corporate rate for the first dollar of net income. That means that my clients, uh, a lot of the small ones, are always in that 15% bracket. That translated to a 20% tax rise immediately for them because their 15% became 21%. And to me, that was just wrong. But that, that's the way they did it. And I'm, I was very disappointed that they did that. But anyway, so now the problem is the new Democratic idea for corporate tax rate is a flat 28%. That means that For the small companies that would net 50 or less, their tax rate is going to be 28% versus 15% three or four years ago. That's almost a double. That's almost doubling their tax rate. So to me, that's wrong. Uh, Nobody ever asked me, of course. If they did, I would 
I'd probably, yeah, if they asked me, I'd probably say this. Let's keep the income tax so I can continue to have a job, but let's make all the rates about a fourth of what they are now. And that would be my, probably my best solution for the income tax uh, situation. But if you see my point, when we're running a deficit of six or seven trillion, why bother everybody for income tax when it only takes in a trillion and a half? It doesn't even cover half of our uh, needs, our, our money needs. That part of it, I think, is not fair. Well, lucky for you, I have a special guest today in the studio. He's a repeat guest. He's always got entertaining business ideas going on. He's always got opinions. You never have to worry about him not having an opinion. And uh, he's a local businessman. Not sure how much legal work he's doing lately. I know he's kind of restructuring his whole business. So we'll find out about that too. But uh, my guest, if you have been a Business Buzz listener for a while, is uh, Mr. Scott Hubbard. How you doing, Scott? Like you care. Yeah, I do care. <laughs> Yet he's sitting in this room. It's 105 degrees in here, and the man has the only fan aimed straight at him. Well, I'm move. dying over here. If you hadn't got here on time, I would have already moved it. Well, uh, if you hadn't called me five minutes before the show <laughs> saying, hey, Scott, you want to come in and do a report? radio show with me maybe i did i did i did tell you yesterday i'd call you in the morning and i definitely made a mistake there so am pm what does it matter that's right and no i'm not doing any legal work anymore okay last time i showed up my office was like i i show up like once a month now what are all those people doing just working for your other businesses yeah i i weeded out the litigation ones now uh it's just now we're just basically uh we're after re- revenue streams, right? Um, just things that uh, things that will generate money, and um, we're not following a set pattern except to ask ourselves: Will this generate us a ten percent return on our investment? Right. So, if it generates us a ten percent return, and we think we can pull it off, we do it. Now, uh, how many stations are you guys running now? Are you down to two? Or? We're down to two, and the second one is. Selling ASAP. So, are you not going to be expanding in the gas gas selling realm? You never know. Yeah. I mean, again, it depends on the return. Uh, we sold the Chico station, or excuse me, the Reading station, uh, the Arco station, and that was that was genius because even though it was generating an incredible amount of cash, none of it was profit. It was just basically breaking even. So, the question you need to ask yourself if you have a business that has a fair market value of $2 million or $3 million or $4 million, and it's generating you $0 in profit. Like spinning wheels. Maybe you should sell it and invest it in something else. Right. And so uh, that's what we did. We wound up uh, buying warehouses and, believe it or not, the Ellis Art Building downtown. Oh. Chico, which the way that... Harold's eyes just shot out of his head like he was in a Walt Disney cartoon. I don't think he knew that. Which I didn't is, know. Considering he's my accountant, probably not the... They, they shoot first and ask questions later. I find out later what they just sold and bought. So, yeah. so in any case, we just bought that. Where uh, Is that a standalone building just for that one business? And it's two stories, right? I think it's two buildings. Oh. And uh, it has a basement. 
but the first thing we did was, um, well, no, I guess the first thing we did when we were interested in buying the building is we reached out to Ellis, the gentleman who's ran Ellis Art Supplies for 25 years. Right. And we, we responded, we told him like straight up, you stay as long as you want because we did not want to be the people who kicked Ellis right out of, out of his 25 year spot. Yeah. Even though he's the one who owned the building and, and now why would he want to sell the building if he's continuing his business? I mean, he relocated. Oh yeah. He moved to Esplanade. He has a very nice setup. Oh, it looks really terrific. Is he not in the, on the downtown? I haven't been downtown much lately. Is he yeah. not there? This is exactly what a man who just bought a building downtown wants to hear, that no one's going downtown anymore. <laughs> I had one client that was looking into buying a business. In the meantime, the virus thing hit, and I was telling him, you don't really want a downtown business right now, maybe later. You know, and that's funny because it's not like the virus is going to be around forever. Sooner or later, the reason that Chico State, the, the reason Chico's downtown doesn't look like some of these other downtowns that existed is we have the college right next door providing a steady stream of uh, foot traffic. You know, you go to some, some places and not even that far away and you go to the downtown and there's literally nothing there. They used to be the center of the community. Right. Now there's, then they, that shifted to shopping malls and now shopping malls are going. Right. So I honestly don't know where the next communal, gathering retail commercial space is going to be, but, um, you know, I'm assuming now you made, you bought the build, you've closed it already. You bought it. We told Ellis he could stay as long as he wanted. Right. And when he was comfortable, he, he closed it and he, he moved. So are you going to make that a rental? Are you looking for tenants? Yes. But we're also considering a restaurant Ah. or two. Isn't that like two doors down from Trace Hombres? It is, but I'm not opening a Mexican restaurant. I mean, I'm I might be crazy, but I'm not stupid. No one competes with Trace Hombres down. Now, let me guess. Knowing you, you probably would want to open a vegetarian Sprouts type place. <sighs> Come on, you know me better than that. Um, How about a new Rock and Brews <laughs> Chico version? We actually considered that. Now, for your listeners who don't know, my brother and I just opened a Rock and Brews restaurant. With and we'll be right back after this break, and we'll hear all about that. Thank you, Scott. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. We'll be right back. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Ali Kawar, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Employee Benefit Security Administration. His office administers, regulates, and enforces the provisions that establish minimum standards for pension plans in private industry. Leviticus 19.32 reminds us of the importance of respecting and caring for our elders. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Ali Kawar in his work with our nation's pension plans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. 
While you're listening to KKXX on AM and FM, don't forget you can also download the KKXX app in the Google Play Store. Tell Alexa to play Life Radio KKXX or call in on the Audio Now listen line at 667-930-9347. That's 667-930-9347. Check out KKXX.net for a full listing of programs, podcasts, and all the ways you can tune in here on Life Radio KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, on a sunny Chico afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your summer weather for one more month, and I'm (laughs) glad you have a chance to spend a little time with me. Like I say, we're trying to educate, illuminate, and entertain, hopefully. And I've got Scott Hubbard here. He always surprises me with a new business deal. I didn't know about that. Now, one thing about downtown Chico, and you probably know this, it seems like about Three people own 90% of the buildings. It's funny you should mention that because my brother just commented about that. Yeah. Number of owners downtown is very thin. Right. And so. I know one of them is the jeweler. One of them is the Western wear guy. And the third one, I can't remember the third one. Well, there are other ones too. Um, But the big ones. Oh, is Hart one of the bigger ones? one of them down there. Now, do they still own the El Rey and the Senator? Do you know? Uh, boy, I don't remember. I remember them trying to sell the El Rey a while back, and there was a, a total poop storm around that. Right. But, Somebody was trying to th- thinking like of offices or something. Well, or... no, it, it used to be, and I thought this was brilliant. It used to be the Majestic. Right. Uh, back that. in the 19, early, early, early 1900s, and then the Majestic burnt down. And you look at old pictures of the Majestic. The Majestic was beautiful. Yeah, I've seen uh, those. I, I'm an old, I'm an old school architect guy. So I look at the El Rey, and keep in mind, I grew up in Chico, so I have a lot of fond memories of the El Rey. But the, um, the architecture of the, um, of the Majestic was just so much better. And one of the things that's keeping uh, people from remodeling the El Rey is the artwork inside. Um, the fairies and all that? And all that. Yeah. The problem with the artwork inside is that it's on the plaster, and the plaster has mold. Ah. And so at least that's when I've been in the El Rey recently for Christopher Titus's performances, and he's like one of the best comedic actors in our generation. If you ever want to know what growing up in my family in the 70s was like, you watch Christopher Titus. He, when I go there, uh, I just look up and I just see the mold just slowly spreading. Oh, wow. And that's something we have to, at least I assume it's mold. I could be wrong. But that's something that we're going to have to, as a community, deal with sooner rather than later. Or we're going to lose all that art. Right. And, um, that's part of, you know, I'm the guy who saved the Gothic house, so this this nonsense is important to me. Right. Whatever happened, did you guys sell that house that you had moved? We still have it. Is it a rental now for you? It is. And if you drive down, you've driven down. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, It's off of the, right next to Highway 32 on the, on the right, south, on the west west side corner. Yeah. Yeah. Southwest corner. I mean, it's just huge. 
it's um, it's just as big as the day is long. And and Josh and I are looking, believe it or not, we're looking for another old house to save. Oh. Um, because we recently, you know, one of the other things, we recently acquired this beautiful lot. It's on half an acre and uh, with 300-year-old oaks and a creek running in the backyard here in Chico. And we thought to ourselves, what we really need is a house to put it, a house on, to it. Put it on. And so rather than build one, we, we sent out word to the Chico Historic or Heritage Association and uh, other activists that we know and said, hey, we need, if you guys know of a house that's dangerously close to being, being lost to time, right. let us know. We'll like save one it. they're thinking about knocking down? Is that, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, property value is insane. Property value in Chico is insanely expensive now. I just thought of the other name downtown, Wayne Cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think between those three, they probably own 90%. Wayne is a character too. I've had business dealings with Wayne. I'm sure most everybody has. Wayne is, uh, and I went to school with his daughters. Oh yeah. And so I've known Wayne for a number of years. And while Wayne and I don't always agree on eye to eye on the political issues, he is a shrewd businessman. I figured that. Yeah, he's he's a man that when you do business dealings with Wayne, you come correct, right? Because he knows what he is doing right and you when he gives you advice you listen to him right so that's exciting so um i don't know what else is going on with the hubbard uh the hubbard dynasty you've got the rock and brews that we're going to talk about right you got a new building downtown that could theoretically be a restaurant yep you've got a new lot that you're looking for a house to move on to it (laughs) yeah um, You're we're building a, we're building a, um, billboard in Oroville. Oh, <laughs> one of those electronic, the modern kind. Yes, it is. Are you going to own it yourself? We are. How we, much does it cost to set one up? I got to find this out. Okay. Here's the deal though. The property, first off, the property's landlocked. It's right next to. Oh, it's near that Home Depot, isn't it? No, is that, that's not other, that one. Own, not that part. Yeah. Okay. Harold knows we own. I a, know you thought about a restaurant there too. I would love to put a Morning Thunder or a Cine Cortez and, uh, and Dina, get all that business from the Dina, county offices. Danielle, if you're listening right now, I'd love to build one and put you guys out there. But um, you know, it's just you can only you can only do so many projects so, in 24 hours a day. Yeah. Right. And, we had a we uh, listed it through a broker to see if uh, someone wanted to buy it. Now, where where's this one? The one we're talking about, the landlocked one. It is on the other side of, of the, freeway? the freeway, next to the river. It's literally, it is literally, I think half an acre or two acres. And it's and legal it's, to put a billboard next to the river. Oh yeah, not only that, it's zoned high density residential. Oh, so but it's know, landlocked. You can't get a road into it. You can't I get... could because you remember from our real property class, yes. you can't landlock. You can't keep people out completely, right? So what you have to do is you have to uh, provide access, and if no one will provide you access, then you have to take additional steps, right? So we haven't exactly. This is the next step. We have to reach out to the landlords and try and find out which one of them is going to. Um, provide us uh, access, and if none of them will agree, then we're just going to have to name them all in a lawsuit and say, hey, judge, 
We need access. We need access. We don't care where it comes from. What size of a lot is this? I think it's like an, it could be anywhere from half an acre to two acres. I really don't remember. We bought it at a Butte County property tax auction. Oh, so how how many units could be on there? I mean, have you even looked into it? Well, it's Oroville, so I'd probably say half a million. (laughs) (laughs) Oroville is very business development uh, friendly. Right. They want people to build stuff. They want people to build stuff there. And they are very – the city council of Oroville and the building department of Oroville will work with business owners. They are very pro-growth, very uh, pro-business, pro-development. Oh, good. So, you know, it's not – it's not – I don't see any problems on their end. Right. If there is going to be a problem, it might be the environmental. Right. But I think the bigger problem is going to be getting access. So would you do a billboard and still maybe do housing later? Is that the idea? No, I would. I think we would just do the, the billboard. And how does the numbers work on that? Because I own a billboard, but I, I lease. I mean, the guy pays me the annual lease. I don't own the billboard. Right. Um, well, we, we billboards are pretty heavily regulated, right. so we're going to have to register, uh, I think, with the uh, Department of Transportation. Can you put up your own political ads if you feel like it? As long as they comply with California law. For example, you can't just put up billboards when you want to run for office. There's a there's a like a the, fair time there's thing. There's a beginning or... point where you can't put up a billboard on your candidacy before that date, or it's a, um, it's a violation of the political. But, but I mean, if you want to make a statement about some subject, you can just do whatever you want. It's your billboard, right? California gets to, well, California can regulate the time, place and manner of speech, but they can't regulate content. Right. So we'll just have to, I suppose it depends on, you know, what you want to do and, and whether you want your name affixed to that, right? right. So, are you are you going to put? What's a, our, by the way, what's our latest conspiracy theory here? Oh, don't worry. I've, next segment. Talk about that? Next segment, I'll give you a few. I'd love yeah. to hear them. Uh, I always thought that since I I rented out this guy's billboard, I always thought if I offered him a that he would offer me a cheap month and I could do a political ad. But anyway, we're going to come right back after the break. We're going to talk more. Uh, Chico Business and Conspiracy Conspiracy Theory with Scott Hubbard and Harold Littlejohn. Attention KKXX listeners. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 8 a.m. for Hope for Today. We are excited to have the opportunity to air the Hope for Today program with David Hawking. Please make sure to support the ministry work of David Hawking and all the other wonderful ministries that allow us to spread the good news of Christ here on the North Valley's home for Christian talk. KKXX 930. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Vegas. Pacific Justice Institute recently filed a public records lawsuit against Broward County Public Schools for potentially hiding pornographic material from parents. PJI's Florida staff attorney, Alexander Bumbu, regularly contacted the school district's administrator for weeks, but the district has failed to fully comply with the public records request. 
Well, Floridian parents have a clear right to see materials that the school district is exposing to their children. PJI is active in the fight to protect parents' fundamental rights to educate their children according to their values. Learn more about our ministry and get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Remember the website, pji.org. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Fellow Americans united, we can grow strong to protect the blessings of liberty for ourselves, our children, grandchildren, and their children. Let us read and understand the life, freedom, and property-protecting principles of the Constitution and embrace the godly wisdom our founding fathers instilled in our one nation under God. America, bless God. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with me. I have my good friend and, well, I I help them with their income taxes, but like I say, like he said, I don't find out what they're doing until I get him on the, get him on the radio, and that's how I find out. You're killing me, man. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what was it you're interested in hearing today, Scott? Uh, Harold, I would love to hear what your thoughts are about the world today. Could you please share with your listeners? Well, this is one that summarizes a couple of topics at once. I'm just, somebody read this to uh, one of the people I listen to on, well, not on YouTube anymore. Everybody good has been kicked off of YouTube, but anyway, it's on, it's on BitChute and Rumble. Anyway, so this got read to me and I was like, I got to find that. So I printed it. So here we go. This is just a screenshot. I'm going to read. Oh my God. Look at these COVID cases. Australia, 20,000. Canada, 45,000. Germany, 100,000. India, 96,000. Russia, 45,000. Stay with me, Scott. Spain, 20,000. United Kingdom, 112,000. United States, 460,000. Oh, whoops. I meant children that have gone missing so far this year without a peep from the media. Oh, I just covered okay. two topics in one sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess technically you did, didn't you? So how should we pick that apart first, Harold? Well, first is <laughs> first is if there truly is that many children going missing, which there is, I've studied this topic, how could this not be front page news all the time? Okay. Um, it doesn't sell newspapers, I guess. Well. At Nothing first, sells newspapers. Yeah, I know, right? Good luck finding a newspaper in this day and age, pal. <laughs> right. Okay, so which do you want to pick apart first? I, I don't want to pick them apart. These I are just mean, fun conspiracies. Just, so what's the conspiracy? <laughs> do you think the lizard people are kidnapping the kids? Uh, they, I'm not going to go. See? I'm not going to go that far. I don't. I don't so want KKXX so, to get in trouble so with you, what I really think. So you. you so okay, let's take a step back. <laughs> okay. Do you think that there's the? Do you think the lizard people are real? <laughs> Just start with that. If you mean a different species, no. Okay. So, no. They, so no. at least they're, they're... They are human. They are human. Okay. That's good. Okay. That we at least have <laughs> okay. some common ground here. Now, my main problem is this. My main problem lately is I have been an anti-vaxxer way before COVID. So yeah. it wasn't because of COVID that I became that way. So everything I've read, you can't sue the vaccine manufacturer if they kill your kid. 
for any of those vaccines. But you, you can't do that for any, you know, they have a special court lined up for that too. Well, yeah, but I've heard that that's a real bear to get through. You know, have you found a court that isn't a real bear? To well, I, I've never been a trial attorney like you. So. Okay, well, then trust me on I say this. Litigation <laughs> is awful. Right. It it's, is the worst. Right. It takes forever and you don't get anything resolved, yeah. right? So to say that you don't get anything if you file, a, file it in the vaccine court, you don't get anything if you file it in state court either. It's never worth it. I now, mean, you, you've been to, I know you've been to federal appeals courts. I have. You've been to the state Supreme Court as a representative? Yeah, I thought Twice. so. And how was that? Give me a little feel for what that's like. Do you um, have to act especially professional? No. Um, first off, the state Supreme Court has already made up their mind before you sit down. So they already know what up. the verdict's going to yeah. be. And so that one's that that's a tough one. When you get a case uh, heard by the United States or California Supreme Court, uh, the um, and keep in mind, not a lawyer anymore. But when I was one, they um, all these attorneys come out of the woodwork to want to help you argue it, and my, because they want to be what their name on the books they and want all their that? names on their books. And let's just assume it's not that egotistical. Let's just assume that they really believe in the subject matter and they want to help. Don't, don't take their help. Because no one knows your case, and no one will argue your case as passionately as you will. Right. Now, writing the briefs, that's something else entirely. But arguing it in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, or California Supreme Court, never been to, to the U.S., but California Supreme Court, always argue it yourself. I uh, fell into this trap. I'm speaking for personal experience. I had an attorney who wanted to argue the case with me, and he was an experienced well-known attorney with a recognized reputation for California Supreme Court oral arguments. The man showed up to our oral argument 15 minutes late. Oh, great. And so, which is fine. I could have argued. I don't even prepare for oral arguments anymore. Uh, Back when I was doing oral arguments, uh, I read my opening brief and I read my reply brief, and that was it because I knew that I was so thorough in those two that I could pick apart any any argument and answer any judge's question. So it would take me like five or ten minutes to do oral argument, and that day was no exception. But I was so disappointed in myself for not having the faith, the confidence. To just do it all yourself. To do it all myself. Right. You know? And we wound up losing that appeal. Well, you know, I still have that book you I got from you, the one that you presented for certiorari oh, and all for that the United for that States. one, yeah. I've had some. I've had some really good Supreme Court issues that just never got traction. And what what my question was is, when you submitted that, and they they didn't hear the case. Yep. And that happens to thousands of cases. Yep. What did you have to already qualify as a Supreme Court approved guy before you sent that book? Okay, there's two questions here that I don't think you realize you're asking, and they're really good questions. Like, they're insanely good questions. Because, number one, the less good, yes, you have to register with the Supreme Court before you can file a petition in front of them. But second, um, I started to get suspicious that it didn't matter the issue. That I, I looked at every Supreme Court, this true story, hired a Ukrainian from Upwork to download every Supreme Court petition docket 
or every docket, every basically case filed in the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court. And I ran uh, and I examined those looking for patterns. I have a computer program that looks for patterns. And I based this on the assumption that everyone had an issue that the Supreme Court could address. And what I found was, you know, there's circuit splits all over the place. Right. Everyone's got a circuit split. Right. I assumed that everyone had a valid issue. And what I found is that the Supreme Court plays favorites on what petitions they will take and uh, and what they won't. Like who they will take a petition from. So the, which attorneys are doing what it? The, who, what attorney puts his name oh, yeah, on Yeah, like if it's petition. Alan Dershowitz, it's automatically yep. in? There are some attorneys, they have a 96% success rate. <laughs> There's no way in, statistically in that grand, could be. And uh, I have a friend whose name I, I shall not mention, but has people who work at the Supreme Court. And what what they said was, every, uh, it's not that they have favorites. It's that they assume that if this attorney will put, it's a triage. So right. they ha- get lots of petitions throughout. And that's the other thing is that when you file your petition has a greater, has more of an, inf- also has a greater influence on when it, whether it's going to be. Because they have like a season, right? Right. Yeah. And so if you file your petition, uh, July, August, September, forget it. You're not going anywhere. Uh, first parts of the month, February, uh, March, April, forget it. Right. It's not going to happen either. But there are certain times early in the season when, they, when they're trying to fill their docket. Right. And certain times at the end of the season when they're trying to fill their docket that your chances of getting a Supreme Court petition granted increase threefold. So but it, aren't they also looking at topics they want, like nope, gun they, control I'm or sh- something like that? I'm sure they are. But, you know, let's be honest. They only handle, you know, 100. So they're, right. they're not looking for like topics. Like 1% of the ones that yeah, are filed. They're, they're, yeah. they're not looking at topics. They're looking at who's filing the petition and uh, when was it filed. And that's basically it. Wow. Those two factors more than any other. Now, there are some real high high-level petitions that they're just, you know, it's going to cause an uproar. I don't care who files it. Like a giant case of abortions like or Trump something? Like Donald saying that the election was stolen, reverse right. it. That goes right to That's, them. Let's be honest. If I had put my name on it, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have read that thing, and there would have been serious conversations as to whether or not to grant it. Now, are they working remotely during the like in, during COVID? I mean, were they, they in the building over there? I think they were working remotely for a while. Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I noticed you haven't shifted that fan over to me yet. Yeah, that's right. I'm sitting over here baking. Sweat's coming off. Got I got to take. <laughs> I got to take care of my. <laughs> The one guest I, the one guest I can count on. Shows up. The one guest that's not that busy most of the time. Know, right? <laughs> right. Well, ownership has its privileges. Although <laughs> right. ownership can be a real drag too. Um, I had a, um, I have, you know, I got threatened by a drunk once. At you know, now I own a bar. Yeah. At Rock and Brews. Right. And so people drink at rock at bars. Some people overdrink, and, and they and they start and getting angry. They, and well. When they start getting angry at my staff, I got to do something. And then they start getting angry at me. Right. Or when I have alcoholics in front of my stations, station, who, you know. Right. Are dying. How do you handle, I mean, you're you're big on helping the homeless, I know. I am. 
How do you handle, like, if you have a homeless at your station bothering the customers? I mean, do you, how do you handle it? I mean, do you have a protocol or? Most of the homeless, most, um, generally speaking, the homeless don't bother people. Okay. The, um, but if they do. They create messes. That's for darn sure. Right. And. They're an eyesore because they don't have any place to live, and so they're forced to be on on the street. Yeah, they got rid of the clock here. What's up with that? I have no idea what time it Probably is. Probably because most people do their radio We're shows remotely now. Yeah, <laughs> so. so you know, but when there's someone, I I do not allow panhandling at our at our places. I right. just don't. Well, we're going to come back for the final segment. I got a lot of topics to cover with Mister Business Scott Hubbard. So we will be right back in just a few minutes. Hi, this is Pastor Chris Kinson at Community Church of God in Chico. Community Church of God has been a fixture in Chico for many years and now will be coming to you over the airwaves. Our program is called Your Message for Today, broadcast on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We hope that you enjoy the Bible-based teaching and preaching that will be featured on these programs. We'd also like to extend to you an invitation to come and visit us at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue in Chico. Our services are at 11 a.m. Sundays and Bible studies at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Come and worship with Community Church of God. Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue, Chico, California. And our phone number, 530-345-4300. That's 530-345-4300. God bless you. As a family member or friend, you may be the first to notice when a veteran you love has been going through changes. Things like withdrawing, drinking more, or increased anger could be a sign of a larger health concern. But help is available. Listen to hundreds of inspiring stories at maketheconnection.net and learn how you can support the veterans in your life. Treatment works. Recovery is possible. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm here with Scott Hubbard. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Well, the Hubbards have a new venture. It's finally opened, I think, as of a few weeks ago. I haven't been able to get there yet, but I'm definitely going soon because I've got travel plans in that neighborhood. So let's talk about the latest and greatest Rock and Brews restaurant slash miniature golf slash batting cages slash go-kart slash what else? Heavens to Murgatroy. Um, concert arena. Oh, yeah. Do you have a stage set up? <laughs> we have an indoor stage set up, and we also have an um, outdoor stage that's being approved by the fire marshal, knock on wood, even as we speak. And this is right next door to Cal Expo in Sacramento. It is. Uh, we have a big, giant 70-foot sign 
that is fan freaking tastic. It's it's definitely uh, Vegas quality. Right. So at nighttime, everyone and their brother sees it. Right. Um. Yeah. So we have a. It's a. It's turning into quite the quite the attraction. Now, is Arden Fair still the bustling mall that it's always been? Because I used to go there, and it used to be the top mall around. It's not the top mall anymore. But, but it still has a Nordstrom's, right? But it, no, it doesn't have a Nordstrom's. Oh, it doesn't? No. Ooh. Well, but you and I had this conversation before. Well, Paul, no, I mean, so... I know retail stinks, but yeah. I thought they still had a hopping mall. No. I mean, oh. they still have a mall, and it's right. still huge. Right. But they lost Sears. Nordstrom's moved out. Oh, okay. So, I didn't we... know that. But we still have one of the busiest intersections. We're still you still have a cheesecake the, factory there? Yep, and a Best Buy and, you know, yeah. Barnes & Noble while we still have books. Right. So, and it still has the mall, but a lot of the um, a lot of the restaurants in that area didn't survive COVID. Right. You know, Elephant Bar, gone. Oh, yeah. El Torito, gone. Gone. Uh, what was it? Coco's, gone. Just, I'm not even sure Chuck E. Cheese is open and that rat survive anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just... But we we did remarkably well when we. So you're the only restaurant right around there, almost. No, there cheesecakes there. There are other restaurants, and but we're definitely uh, people report us as being the hottest bar in Sacramento. Nice. Yeah. Are you getting like twenty somethings, college types? Are they going in there? No. And here's here's what really threw me off. Really threw me off. For people who know Sacramento, we're at the old Paradise Island, which was an amusement park back then. And we were, uh, when we took it over, Rock and Bruce said, what are you going to do with the base uh, batting cages, miniature golf courses, and go-karts? And I said, well, I'm going to turn them into batting cages, miniature golf <laughs> courses, and go-karts. And they said, well, you know, it's not going to be like any other Rock and Bruce. We're, you know, we're not sure we want people going to these places thinking, you know, disappointed that there's not... There's not batting cages. Oh, like at a, at a yeah, different at Rock and Brews. Oh, know? yeah. yeah right. the, in in the airport. Yeah. Rock and Brews. I'm here at the LAX airport, Rock and Brews. You don't have batting cages. This place is awful. You know, those <laughs> right. type of people. Right. And so we, um, we, um, train of thought. That's okay. you, get, you get one bad Yelp review and it just throws you. I had someone give me a bad Yelp. Oh, review. trust me. I've got the worst Yelp review in the world. I hope nobody looks it up. Yeah, I've looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still with me. Uh, well, Thank you. Messy office <laughs> isn't much to, isn't much to complain about Harold. If the man knows his stuff, I don't give a flying fig how messy his office is. No, I got a two star Yelp review because the printers hadn't finished our scorecards for miniature golf. Oh, great. You know, and it's like, are you kidding me? It's the middle of COVID. No one's open. Yeah. Is this, you know. are you going for the pro-am or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we, um, everyone was having a hard time finding employees. We had 120 openings. We got 160 applications. We got, uh, when the Rock and Brews head chef came in, like the corporate chef who's in charge right, of all charge of, of everything, yeah. and actually has is responsible for the nine restaurants that the corporation owns. Uh, he said to me, Scott, I, I asked him because I don't know restaurants. I don't. I know gas stations. I know billboards. I know sawing buildings in half, driving them down the highway, and sticking them on vacant land. Do not know restaurants. And so I said, Eric, what's our what's our kitchen look like? He says, Dude, your kitchen looks fantastic. I said, Really? He said, Yeah. Not only in the um, not only in the way it was designed, but you have at least five or six superstar chefs working for you. 
I have nine restaurants. I have one. So you guys got that many good chefs. We got our food is phenomenal. Because they saw your ad and they wanted to work there, and right? They saw the seventy foot billboard. Or well, yeah, foot. right, rock star billboard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we had that, and what really surprised me because I, my brother, and I were responsible for the miniature golf courses and the um, and the batting cages. And we built those batting cages with our own two hands, my brother and I. You know, he got his master's in international management and is fluent uh, and, you know, does Eastern business uh, or Chinese business. I have my law degree, finance, business degree. You know, I here are two guys with at least 30 years of education between the two of them. Right. And we're trying to figure out how to put together batting cages. <laughs> and I got to know, tell you, complex financial transactions are one thing, but trying to figure out how to make a pitch go over the plate, that is something way harder. <laughs> So we have these uh we have these batting cages, we have these miniature golf courses and what surprises me is that they're not being filled with um with kids. Kids aren't the ones doing it's it. It's the adults. These are their adults. Yeah. We basically created a, a an amusement park for adults. You know, they they grab their they grab their beers, they grab their margaritas, they go out, they grab a club and they go out on the course. Now, and when I was buying the golf clubs, I bought a bunch of little golf clubs for, cr- for kids, kids, not as many adults. Boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sending out adults with golf clubs designed for 10-year-olds. <laughs> right. And so I'm, I'm like saying, trust me, just give me a couple holes till someone comes back in it. And at the middle of the night, uh, you know, a Friday night, every – I have two miniature golf courses. Every golf course – hole has someone on it we have people waiting to start and every single adult out there paid ten dollars to golf that's which awesome. fyi was market rate right so all of a sudden this these uh amusement elements that rock and bruise really wasn't sure about right now you know they think it's fantastic right when rock and bruise wants to show off a restaurant they don't show off one of theirs they show off ours right and so did you say that Corp only owns nine and the rest are all franchises? Is yes. that what it is? Okay. And so that what happened was there was a, a gentleman, and this is all public filing, so I'm not I'm not revealing any secrets here. There is a guy, sold all of his uh Buffalo Wild Wings and built a rock and bruise. And it was so profitable he built a second one. And that one was so profitable he built a third. Well, what he did was he fell into the trap where he assumed that the next one would be profitable, and he kept paying more in rent and higher debt, uh, took on a greater and greater debt load. Right. And so the costs went up, the debt load went up, and when there was a slight hiccup in the economy, boom, it all came tumbling down. And so, you know, when we built this Rock and Bruise, no debt. And that wasn't, uh, um, that wasn't because we wanted to. The bank said, "Well, we're not going to loan on this untested, on this untested concept." Right. Well, you know, now we have thousands of people walking through our doors. We're we're there's a three hour wait some days. Now, theoretically, Rock and Brews as a franchise business is going to start looking for different style of places, perhaps. Maybe I know that they're doing a lot of work with the Indian casinos, and I went up to the grand opening of the one for uh, Rolling Hills right. in Corning. And you know it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good restaurant. I'm yeah. envious. I mean, they have good food. It's in a good location, 
And so I think corporate got really lucky when they convinced the tribe to to let them do it. To well, the, so do you think they have like a five year lease with a option? I mean, how do you think? Oh, they, with the tribe? Yeah, how do you oh, think no, the I, tribe? I think the tribe runs it. I don't know for certain. So oh, okay. Like the tribe might own the franchise. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so you know that's yeah. it's. A, I mean, that makes sense because they have a lot of cash running through there. Yeah, and so the tribe does that rock and bruise. When I've been there, it's always busy. Well, the thing about Corning is there just isn't anywhere else to go. I mean, you got to be honest. They're they're yes and no. The places to go are all mom and pops, and you know I. I have absolutely nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with mom and pops. I go to a lot of mom and pops. But they also have, uh, they're like us insofar as they don't have, they don't have batting cages, miniature golf, or go-karts. Not yet. Right. Uh, they have gambling. Right. They have concerts. Right. You know, and we're not going to get them on the gambling, but, you know, we'll have concerts too. And that's. That's what I think is the secret to Rock and Brews that Rock and Brews is really hasn't realized yet is that it can't just be another restaurant. Right. You have to figure out how are you going to distinguish yourself? Right. Because we're living in an age where people don't want money, they want experiences. They don't want fast food. They want they want to have dinner dangling from a crane 500 feet in the air. Right. Uh, you know, now, I mean, the whole, it's so natural for Rock and Brews to have the music venue. Do you already have live bands playing like on weekend nights? We had one, and under no circumstances are we going to let a live band play inside on a Friday or Saturday. Because it gets too crazy? We, we have people asking, turning in reservations for 100 to 200 people. You know, we want to have our corporate party here, which, you know, fantastic, but we can't do that in a band. Right. You know, we, and we have, People who aren't making reservations, we have to take them into account too. Now, once once the fire marshal approves the outdoors, Is that fire marshal bill. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> once the fire marshal approves, I'm just, such an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear fire marshal without thinking about yeah. that. Well, once he approves the outdoor and we level it off, then it's going to be all sorts of crazy. Uh, now, how much space do you have set aside for like a stage and bleachers, or would it be lawn? Well, keep in mind, we have 10 acres. That's what I'm thinking. And so right now— How much has to go for parking? We have enough parking. Yeah, we but have, don't they require a certain percentage? Honestly, I'm not sure, but we have enough. You okay. Trust me. Right. We have more parking. When Probably the smartest thing we ever did, uh, in addition to um, keeping the amusement stuff— was we had the parking resealed and repainted before we started with and nice new stripes. Bam! You you drive up and and we got rid of the fence with the barbed wire around it. Well, that's good. Yeah, because you know nothing says welcome. Come on in, and enjoy our restaurant like barbed wire fence. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah, Josh, I stole your jokes. Deal <laughs> with it. So that was my brother's joke, but gosh darn it. <laughs> It's so good. I hate to give my brother credit where credit's due, but... Is the El Torito building still there empty, or has someone else used it? I think it's empty, and the elephant bar is empty. Do you know my wife won't listen to to me when I'm on this show anymore? Why not? She says my voice is annoying. There is a guy on YouTube... (laughs) There is a guy on YouTube that I listen to, and he's a photography channel, but he's also like a theoretical physics guy. He's really interesting. But he's got a voice, and actually my wife, when she hears me playing it, 
She's like, that sounds like Scott Hubbard. Right. Is he annoying too? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't annoy me, but you know. Yeah. So yeah. I, my wife told me, and I said, Jeremy, she, no. Why? Because your voice is annoying. I just, I listened to it for like 20 seconds. I, oh, I got to turn this well, off. Well, probably because she hears it every day and she's sick of it anyway. Yeah. 20 years married, folks. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> That's, that woman's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, I know. She, she doesn't tell me to. She doesn't tell me to shut up. She just says, yeah, I don't listen to you on the radio because your voice is annoying. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's a very Maybe the person. California Supreme Court thought that too. Yeah, well, it's my strangely androgynous voice. Now, I've got I've to ask one thing about the legal profession. When you became a lawyer, started working in the real world of legal... Did you ever get disillusioned? Because when I was a kid, I was I was in awe of like I still have my set of American Heritage books of the presidents and all that. I was in awe of the our system of government, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, our presidents. And now, the older I get, and the more I learn, the less awe is inspired. And I mean that. KKXX Paradise, K280GL Chico, and K283AR Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. Louisiana health officials are revoking the licenses of seven nurses.